The Start On Demand. On demand. We woke up this morning to the stunning news that Donald Trump and Melania Trump have tested positive for COVID-19. We speak to Global's Reggie Cicchini about the possible ramifications from this major revelation. It's Friday, which means Gab with Gabby, our weekly chat with Global News Morning's Gabrielle Marchand, who opened the segment by dancing. And today on 680 CJOB, we're having a feel-good Friday. So we ask you, what games have you and your family or friends discovered or rediscovered during the pandemic? I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. And this is the Friday, October 2nd podcast for The Start. McGarry and McNabb. Greg, you were saying you'd take just a few hours off. You mean you have you gotta go to sleep? sleep. (laughs) This is what what's what's bothering Greg this morning, Loren. He feels guilty that he wasn't awake to learn the news, which is the biggest story on planet Earth right now. Which is Can I tell you go ahead, sorry, say what the news is first. Apologies. Well, the President of the United States and his wife, the First Lady of the United States, both have tested positive for COVID-19. And I found that out at uh, about 2.50 this morning. And last night was the first night in an awfully long time where I put on stand-up comedians to go to sleep with. And through the night, instead of one of the uh, multiple news channels at my disposal on my Sirius XM app on my phone. And so, yeah, I could have known about it at midnight. Uh, What would you have done with that info? I do have to say, just as an aside. I want to know when it happens. I don't want to know six hours later. When you sent that out this morning, because I was scrolling through a bunch of emails and everything around the same time, and then I saw the news alert, and then I saw your text, and I thought... I wonder why he only sent this at three thirty-seven. <laughs> feel like feel like he's really letting us down with his three thirty-seven a.m. Oh, text. I'm behind. I'm behind. But, wow. I mean, of all the things I thought I'd wake up to this morning, yeah, this is this not isn't it. one of them. And it, what a wide range of reactions from people. Of course, people wishing him well because he's seventy-four. It is a serious health threat. Hundred percent. Others calling it karma or serendipity or all the things for the things he said about the virus along the way it's just what a wide range of emotions for people this morning yeah they were making they were cracking jokes about it on the shift overnight i think uh, one of them said uh, and they were they were they were reluctant to do it i think they they were actually repeating jokes that they had heard but one of them was how did melania get it because that would imply that she had to be somewhere near donald trump but uh, indeed, the man is 74 years old. Regardless of what you feel about Donald Trump or Donald Trump's politics, yes. don't wish for anybody to be sick. Uh, but Greg, you also shared uh, a tweet. We were actually talking about this, and I, I, was, I wondered, like, so what happens if he emerges from this and was either symptom-free or at least claims to have been symptom-free or says, oh, it was a walk in the park or something along those lines, right? Like you don't, again, I'm not wishing serious illness upon the man, but if he comes out and, and is blustery about uh, not having any symptoms, what kind of effect could that have? This is just the next week or two is just going to prove in my mind, first of all, how polarizing this virus has become, how politicized the story around this virus has become, Loren, because on Fox already, this is from now, admittedly, from a left-leaning journalistic outlet, uh, CNBC, Katie Tour, not necessarily left-leaning herself, but here is what she says. The last three doctors on Fox have made a point to celebrate Trump's amazing drive and amazing energy and gone on to downplay his potential to get seriously sick. Um, Brian Kilmeade asked what it will mean for the virus if the most famous man in the world has no symptoms. That's a great question. And how will that be answered and how will that be received and perceived in the in the public arena? And then you, on the other side, commented about what you've been seeing on CNN, about what they're not necessarily hiding, highlighting, but bringing to light about the challenges that the president may face in 
his uh, battle against COVID-19. Well, they're not only highlighting his age, they're, they're pointing out his weight and maybe inactivity in some respects, saying, you know, technically he's obese. So there's all these sort of different factors that they have to weigh in when looking at how COVID could impact him. And we have to be clear about this, though. I mean, we do know that in a large majority of people who get contract COVID, the effects are minimal. And we know that. But there are those, once you get into a certain age range, people with compromised issues, immunocompromised issues, there, there are all sorts of different mitigating factors here. And so if he comes out of it and says it was a walk in the park, well, in some respects, that's what many people have been saying. You, you can get it and not feel too badly, but you would be remiss to pretend like it's not a serious thing because there's others who get it and we know with devastating consequences. So I don't know how to feel about this because I, like we said, we don't wish this on anyone, but I'm worried for how this will go, how this will shape the conversation around COVID-19 and shape the election because of course a conspiracy theorist um, I don't want to give any weight to that this morning but you know there's rampant speculation on where this goes and where this takes things for the debates two weeks from now for the election uh, a month and change from now I mean ugh, the, the wide-ranging sweeping implications are massive <laughs> We're doing an early giveaway to reward our early risers. $25 gift card from Manitoba Turkey Producers. If you can answer this question, women say the best place to hide snacks from their spouse and kids is in their car. But 9% have hidden them here. Where is it? <laughs> Sylvia, do you know? Sylvia? Going once? Good morning, Hi. Sylvia. Hi, Sylvia. Can you hear us? Yes. Okay. Women say the best place to hide snacks from their spouse and kids is in their car, but 9% have hidden them here. Where is it? I'm going to say the microwave. No. Okay. But, uh, that, yeah, that, the microwave, if I was, a, I remember using the microwave a lot. I would find stuff that would be hidden in there because I was always jamming pizza pops into the microwave. <laughs> <laughs> Mel, do you know what it is? Uh, how about a dresser drawer? No. Mm. Uh, but that is a good guess, yeah, because you don't want to be rifling through there. You know there. what? I've got to start writing these down. <laughs> There's places <laughs> that I have to search in my house. Dresser, drawer. Okay, continue. Diana, do you know what it is? The washing machine. Oh, that's a good guess. <laughs> What's the suggestion there? <laughs> it's only mom using the washing machine? Mm. No. Okay, okay. I'm just guess, teasing. Though. I'm just teasing you. That's a great no one guess. uses the washing machine. <laughs> <laughs> great guess, Diana, but that's not it. Bill, do you know what it is? Um, underwear drawer? No, no, that is not it. It's, uh, well, I, I won't say it's a, not a drawer, but... Kevin, do you know what it is? I think I know. I think I know. Is it in a like, jewelry box thing? No. No? No, no, sir. That's not it. I, I'm curious to know if uh, Loren's guess is going to be the answer. Shirley, do you know what it is? Um, a purse. No, not their purse. Laird, do you know what it is? Under the bed. I'm going to give that to you. All right. The answer is in their bed. Mm. In okay, their bed. There you go. In it. <laughs> yeah. See, I, my guess was under the bed because that is where a salt and vinegar bag of chips is right now as we speak. Really? Under your bed? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Laird, have you ever found have you ever found snacks that uh, your spouse has hidden from you in the bed? Yes, I have. Yeah. Where? Not in the bed. Under the bed. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, well. This is personal experience speaking. And I like them from me, I guess. <laughs> sometimes I forget I've done it, and then it's such a treat where you're like, oh, hello, Mr. Chip. <laughs> the best place might be to hide the snacks underneath the kids' beds because you know they never go under there to clean anything. <laughs> Laird, I'm going to put you on hold, and Jeff's going to get your details off the air, okay? Okay, thank you. Stand by. So, yeah, I gave it to him because, like, whether it's under the bed or it could be, like, uh, what do they call it? Is it captain's bed? Yes. Where you have drawers under sure. the bed? Sure. Yeah. yeah so. Yeah. No, I, that, yeah, that's, I would say one and the same. Yeah. I don't think you bent any rules there. Um, but uh, I guess if you had a chocolate bar, Loren, you could like hide it in under your pillow or under Don't between be crazy. the mattresses. You don't bring chocolate bars to bed. You bring pretty much everything else but a chocolate bar to bed. <laughs> why? Why not a chocolate bar? I just first of all, if a crumb falls and you miss it, then you have to do that whole. What is that brown thing on the 
sheet. Oh, thing. fair enough. Okay. So, and it might it just, melt under your pillow, too. Yeah, it just it's kind of gross. I don't know. It's it's We had this conversation a few weeks ago about best food items to eat in bed or shower jerky or whatever the heck that was <laughs> for Jake. And I do, I do have to, th- I, I pretty much think anything's a go with the exception of things that melt. Yeah, like that's, that. that's fair. Yeah. Because chocolate, uh, can, it, it can be sneaky too. Like I had a, like a chocolate granola bar on a hot day while I was playing golf mm. and I was so careful and I still managed to, I think it fell on the seat and then I sat on it. <laughs> so it looked like I relieved myself. Yes. That's what I mean. It's of all the colors of stains to find anywhere. Like that's that one is just got to go in the wash, you know. <laughs> Didn't Costanza have a sandwich uh, hidden under the bed or in a nightstand once upon a time? Pastrami. We have something special planned for you today on 680 CJOB. We know it's been a heavy time out there these days, but there are some great stories to be told. Thanks for tuning in to your Feel Good Friday on 680 CJOB. First, I want to point out it's good to hear producer Nicole's voice back on her radio station. She's been gone for a year with her newborn. Yeah, isn't that something to hear her back? Uh, just that energy she inserts, even through an email. Yeah. You don't even have to be in her presence to feel her positive energy. So, Nicole, great to have you back. So, on this Feel Good Friday, we're going to talk about all kinds of great things today. Positive stories, fun stuff, entertaining lists, what have you. You name it, we're going to discuss it throughout the day. But on the start, we want to talk about... Well, Greg, how did you put it? You sent out a tweet at GMACWPG. Oh, boy, you're trying to ask me to remember what I said? You don't need to remember exactly what you said. No, I guess basically what it is, in this time, I think a lot of us have dusted off the board games that maybe were in your basement, uh, in the family room, hiding underneath the couch with the salt and vinegar chips. Under uh, the bed. Or under the bed and taking uh, advantage of this time and, and to connect with our families because I, I think that's happening for a lot of people. So I just, you know, we want to know what games have you discovered or rediscovered over the last six months? I know that there are some games that are making a real comeback and I included. And so uh, maybe if I'll just say mine right now, I included a picture of a giant Jenga game. Yep. Uh, that my friends have at their cottage. And they also have Connect 4 in the giant version. It's four feet wide by three feet high. Lots of noise, lots of energy, but a ton of fun. And it's great to to reconnect and to relive your childhood to a certain extent through these games. Okay, so we're tight for time here, so let's quickly go around the horn. We've got Kelly Moore, Jeff Braun, Jeff Forte. Jeff Forte, why don't we start with you? Your favorite game that you maybe have rediscovered and if you have a funny story with it. Well, actually, me and my family, we played a game called Sardines. It's kind of like hide-and-seek in the dark, except only one person goes and hides, and then the rest of the group splits up and has to find them. And then once you find the person, you actually hide with them. And then, you know, eventually there's only one more person looking around for someone. I remember playing it as a kid for my uh, family, and my dad was on the other side of this giant house we're playing in, and you just hear him in the background, Hello? Hello? Are you guys actually still here? And we're all, we're all hiding in a closet just snickering, trying to be quiet so he wouldn't find us, but it was a great time. Did he find you? Oh, yeah, well, eventually. Okay. How long were you in there? Oh, we were in there for a good, like, 15 minutes. It nice was, job. It was awesome. Kelly Moore. Well, uh, and I don't know why we don't play more often when we're back home, but uh, every winter when we go down to Mexico, we make sure we take the crib board with us and uh, uh, get into some uh, tough games of crib. And I remember there was the one year where our uh, youngest daughter and her husband came down and joined us. And so we had kind of a crib tournament going on. And our last night there, almost everybody staying in the complex was huddled around the table to see who was going to win the big tournament. Crib. I, I have. Crib. I think I used to play that with my mom. Fifteen two, fifteen four, fifteen six. A pair is eight, and a run is three. Is nine. <laughs> <laughs> Good Nicely job. done. Well done, Kelly Moore. Jeff Ron, what about you? The gaming I remember the most was the all-night Monopoly game a couple of my friends and I played. We were probably about fourteen, and some guys were staying over for night. And we started about six in the evening, and at six in the morning, when my dad got up to go to work, he noticed we were still playing, and he he, he 
almost just destroyed the board on his own. He was so mad that we'd stayed up all night playing Monopoly. We weren't even enjoying it anymore. We were just going through the motions. <laughs> but it's that thing where, you know, to some degree, Monopoly doesn't really end unless somebody really goes bust or wins all the money, that type of thing. And that just never happened, so we just kept playing it. And uh, did you have to, like, what, did, what time did you go to bed? Oh, we went to bed two seconds after my dad realized we were up. So he's like, the game is over, you guys. You're done. Go. Stop. <laughs> and uh, McNabb, just quickly, what have you got? I think the best thing that's come out of this is the fort building has been excellent in this house. Fort Whether it's building. the couch, the elliptical gets used to hang things from because no one else is using it. Uh, the, the cushions are off. There's just been a lot of fun time spent that way because I've also decided, you know what, go ahead, let's let's have some fun while we sleep because especially when we weren't going anywhere, your home was kind of your only playground. And so they've slept in forts, they've slept in tents. We've had a really great time doing that. I love a good fort build. He is on Twitter dozens of times per day. So it is perhaps no surprise US President Donald Trump used Twitter to tell the world, COVID-19 has landed in the White House. Yeah, here is the tweet from U.S. President Donald Trump just before midnight our time. Quote, tonight, Flotus and I tested positive for COVID-19. We will begin our quarantine and recovery process immediately. We will get through this together. And about 15 minutes ago, Devin O'Malley, the press secretary for Vice President Mike Pence, tweeted out, as has been routine for months, Vice President Pence is tested for COVID-19 every day. This morning, Vice President Pence and the second lady tested negative for COVID-19. Vice President Pence remains in good health and wishes the Trumps well in their recovery. Global's Reggie Cicchini is in Washington now. And Reggie, uh, typically we like to ask you a question, but we'll start with this. This is an extraordinary development. This is an extraordinary development uh, and kind of doing a follow to that tweet from the vice president's office. That's also important because on the 25th Amendment to the United States a Constitution, uh, if the president becomes incapacitated in any way, the vice president would assume the role in an acting position. And if the vice president himself were to become incapacitated, the third in line in succession would be the House Speaker. And that would be Nancy Pelosi. Both of these leaders were put in a position today of potentially needing to step up and out of the role that they are currently in. Uh, so there are significant implications to uh, the news out of the White House this morning uh, that President Trump has contracted COVID-19. It's also worth pointing out that senior White House officials uh, have also been seen on the grounds uh, of the White House this morning walking around without masks on. So, so this goes to show that not only is this a developing situation, it is a situation that is likely going to continue to develop through the day. Yeah, and questions, Reggie, this morning are about when he found out he had it and when that test was done and whether they knew he had been in close contact with somebody else who had COVID-19. Yeah, I mean, look, this is a big uh, story right now in that we know that uh, the, the one of the aides to President Trump, Hope Hicks, was, uh, was, was diagnosed with COVID-19 early Thursday morning, uh, and that she was still able to get into contact not only with the president, but also numerous people within the president's circle. And the White House press secretary, Kayleigh McEnany, also held a press briefing uh, with journalists at 11 a.m. on Thursday, uh, well knowing that Hope Hicks uh, was positive. So there are questions here as to why there was so much movement within the, uh, within the White House, why journalists were allowed in, and how rigorous, vigorous, and large this contract uh, contact tracing movement is going to have to be because there are so many people that come into contact with the president on a daily basis. But yesterday it was senior GOP leaders and Amy Coney Barrett, his Supreme Court justice nominee. So what does this mean then for Donald Trump? Does he just have to go into hiding for a couple of weeks now? Well, I mean, look, the White House is the, the back room is likely trying to spin this uh, in any way possible that, you know, maybe it's a false false positive. The president will likely be given several tests until it comes back uh, as a negative uh, behind the scenes. White House aides are actively working to try and make sure the president can be seen today to show that he is leading the country, whether it means a potential presidential address to the nation later on today or some kind of photo from the White House photographer uh, to show that Donald Trump has not been incapacitated. Uh, these are things that are, are actively being worked on uh, right now because this is uh, kind of a fresh shakeup to a country that was already in turmoil from COVID-19. Reggie, we don't want to throw any fuel on the 
conspiracy theory fires that are already starting and burning about what this means. And this is coming from people who are supporters of Donald Trump, those that are anti-Trump. So I don't want to get into any of that stuff, but this does genuinely put in jeopardy the debate between President Donald Trump and uh, Joe Biden uh, that's scheduled for two weeks yesterday. It does uh, throw that into question right now. First of all, we don't even know uh, if Joe Biden, if President Trump rather, uh, was carrying symptoms of this virus when he was in that debate with Joe Biden. We know Biden is going to take a test later on this morning, uh, which if the both men are, are positive, that would absolutely cur- uh, kind of curb any debates going forward. Uh, look, health experts have said if you test positive, it's a two week quarantine to ensure that the symptoms get out of your body uh, or at least are subsided enough. Uh, that would throw into question the second debate and possibly even the third debate. Look, there's only 32 days until the election. Uh, this is taking President Trump possibly off the debate stage. He's losing critical time in swing states to be on the ground. And this comes at a time where he is uh, significantly behind Joe Biden not only in national polling, Democratic polling, but also internal GOP polling. So this is a crisis, not only for the country, but for the president himself in his ability to maintain his leadership position. All sorts of conversations this morning that are different depending on who you're listening to and who's talking, Reggie. We were saying earlier, Fox on one hand is going down the road of how active and how energetic Trump is and healthy. And then CNN's also pointing out just sort of the, the age of Trump, which is really significant, his weight, which unfortunately has to weigh into the equation and just the overall healthiness of him going in to this diagnosis. What's the, what's the reaction overall where you are? Yeah, and look, those are fair questions because we saw what happened with uh, with British Prime Minister Boris Johnson uh, in and around a similar kind of weight and health structure as the president, not quite this, uh, the same when it comes to age. So there is a risk here that this could be problematic for President Trump, but he has also shown himself to be mildly, uh, you know, energetic and, and enthusiastic about things. So he may, uh, you know, just be one of those people who, who recovers from this quicker. Uh, in D.C., there are serious concerns, mostly for uh, how the White House could be acting as a super spreader within the federal government posing problems not only for people in leadership roles but also potentially for national security of the country this is going to be a focus now possibly taking focus away from the election possibly allowing for a foreign adversary to the united states to exploit the president's health crisis uh, and use this to their own advantage this really is putting the u.s in a very vulnerable position right now uh, and leadership on both sides uh, of the political aisle down here are extremely concerned not only for the president's health but for the health of the country global Reggie Giacchini in Washington joining us live on 680 CJOB. Reggie, thank you very much for this. Thank you. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. First thing I need to mention here just very quickly, if you follow us on social media, on Twitter, we have a lot of followers on Twitter. We thank you for that. And on Facebook, but we would love for you to follow us on Instagram as well. We are almost at 7,000 followers. We're just seven shy of 7,000. So follow us on Instagram at 680CJOB if you don't. And then at 9.35, we're giving away a Santa Lucia pizza based on your text messages on your favorite games and stories associated with those. Like, uh, I jotted down a list of games that I love. Crokinole for for a tabletop game. Crokinole's my favorite. But I love Shuffleboard. I learned that uh, visiting... uh, There was a bar that's central in uh, Transcona. They had a Shuffleboard, and I loved playing that. I like uh, cabin games like lawn darts or uh, what do you call it? Cornhole, the one with the bean bags. That's right. Ladder uh, ball. What are you laughing about? The name. I'm, I'm just the lawn darts reminds me of how much they've changed. When we were kids, they were darts. Like they had the pointy end, right? It was a dangerous game. Yeah. Well, and now that... they at least have that rounded it uh, <laughs> bottom to them. Well, they were a Canadian invention, and you couldn't take them across the border because no, they were deadly. I mean. Anyway, the irony there is striking. <laughs> the other ones I like, uh, ladder ball, which is also known as ladder golf, cowboy golf, hillbilly golf. I don't know why it has so many different names. Frizznock is fun. Oh, Beer yeah. pong is fun. But I mentioned the chess thing, so I just got to quickly mention this. I've told this before, but in case you've never heard it, my buddy Mike, uh, when we get together and we have a few drinks, he always wants to play chess at like 2 in the morning when we're both like when we should be going to bed. And uh, he always wastes me in chess so one time i flipped the board pieces went everywhere i lost one of the bishops for two weeks i finally found the it on bishop my, finally dollar <laughs> 25 bishop i finally found it on my bookshelf two weeks later at another time he beat me so bad that i picked up an end table and smashed it <laughs> into pieces i was getting rid of it anyway it just felt like a, a, an apropos time to end its life 
tackling McGarry and McNabb. By now, you know that the off-again, on-again deal between Chuck Lewis of Expert Electric and City Hall is, in fact, on again after a 15-to-1 vote at City Hall on Wednesday. Yeah, we know originally Lewis had walked away from the proposal when the implementation of the plan to install these flashing lights at every school zone in the city hit a roadblock at City Hall just a few weeks ago. And, of course, much has been made about the way that deal fell apart, how it faced delays and studies, and it really had many Winnipeggers asking if the city was scoffing at the offer in order to protect photo radar revenue, Greg. There are those in the city, Loren, who don't particularly like even the idea of the 30-kilometer-per-hour speed zone around schools. That perspective, obviously, from people behind the wheel of their car or truck. How about this perspective? This tweet showed up in my Twitter timeline late last week. Hey, Winnipeg, need your help. My son is a school patrol this year. He started the year excited and proud. Now he is frustrated and disappointed. Drivers don't stop when he tries to help kids cross the street. Please slow down around schools. Please stop when kids need to cross. Matthew Skibo is a school patrol, and he joins us now on the start. Good morning, Matthew. Good morning. Let's start with a couple of easy questions. What grade are you in? I'm in grade five. Grade five. So this is your year to be a school patrol. Why were you so excited when you found out you were going to get to be a patrol? I've always wanted to be it. As soon as I saw what the kids uh, did, it looked super fun. It is super fun. I can remember feeling the exact same way, Matthew, when I got to be a school patrol because it's such a cool thing to do and it's so helpful to all your classmates and friends. But I understand you've been a little bit frustrated. That's what your mom said in her Twitter post. Can you describe a bit about what you've been seeing when you've been trying to help your classmates safely cross the street? What's been happening? Um, the drivers, when we're trying to single to um, cross the kids, they don't pay attention and they just drive past. And we can't cross the kids until everyone's stopped and it's completely safe. And this is happening more than it used to happen? Um, at the start of the year, it was better. And then it started, and then they started getting worse. Matthew, do you work in a an intersection or crosswalk? Do you have the, the flashing lights? Is it a pedestrian crosswalk or some other uh, sort of crosswalk do you, do you uh, work in? It's a sidewalk to sidewalk, and we just have to cross the kids because it's a very busy um, place, but there's no traffic lights. How does that make you feel when you see drivers don't slow down and you can't help people cross, Matthew? Um, disrespected and frustrated. Matthew, I was a patrol in school, and I remember when I would put on the vest, it gave me a, a sense of pride. I felt pretty cool. Uh, being part of the uh, the patrol team, do you feel uh, that that same kind of pride? Because it's a response. You know, you have to be responsible when you're doing it. It, it teaches you responsibility. Mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. It's one of those things that I, I think a, a lot of people aspire to, and I can tell you that, in fact, the gentleman that used to run the patrol program at my elementary school back in the day listens to this show very, very faithfully. So good morning, Mr. Heather. What message do you have before we let you go, Matthew, for drivers out there, not only that are going in and around your school, but other schools in the city? Um. Please slow down and let me cross the kids. Well, Matthew, we appreciate all you've done, and I think that what you're trying to do to get that message out is terrific. If you do have anything that you want to add, is there anything that would make it better for you to help your friends and classmates cross besides the drivers listening? What else would you like to maybe see around that crosswalk? Um, I'd like them to try to stop. I bet you would. Well, I appreciate this, and, and, and I want to thank you very much for your time because your message is important, and you're doing great work, so keep at it. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Matthew. Matthew Skibo joining us live on 680 CJOB. He is a school patrol with an important message. Slow down. Pay I, attention I, I to never, the patrols. Like, I never in my wildest dreams would have thought that this would be a problem. Like, uh, when, you see a when you see the vest... 
uh, like you learn this when you're a kid. Like this yeah. is just part of your DNA, is it not? It's supposed to be. And there's a child there who's very well spoken for grade five. He's trying to do his best to keep people safe. You see a child with that vest on, and he's giving you the signal to stop, and you're looking that child in the eye, and you're saying, "Yeah, this must not apply to me." And you keep going. Come Give me on. a break. Yeah, I think to, to use a term that I think it was Jeff Braun who hates it. Come on, man. <laughs> Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, and we mel- welcome Marshawn, Gabby Marshawn from Global News Morning, joining us live for the Gab with Gabby every Friday at 9.05. Gabby, good morning to you. Good morning, you three. I'm dancing into this Friday, doing my very awkward dance moves. <laughs> there you go. Loren, how, does, uh, how do you feel about that? I wish I could see her. I was wondering if there was a shoulder. Like, what's your awkward yes, dance move? Is yes. it a lane? Yes, a it's very like shoulder. one shoulder? It's very shoulder-oriented. Yeah, well, I like it. Should it. Be. It's a shimmy. And then sometimes I do a little finger dancing where you just bring out one finger on each hand. Oh, yeah. It's like the dad Point. dance. My dad yeah. can get on board with this dance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Gabby. So you're doing the dance. Do you have any uh, cabbage that you're going to eat right off the table? Oh, wow. So many jokes we could go to with that one. But yeah, so Greg had shared this video on social media of this beaver eating cabbage. And there, it really is therapeutic. I I agree. I watched it once. I watched it again. I think I was probably a thousand of those views within two days. And I I was saying to uh, Brett this morning, there's something about animals eating. I find it satisfying as long as they're cute. You know, when they're big, mean animals, it's the National Geographic. They're hunting things on the safari, tearing them apart, less therapeutic. Yeah. Well, one of our listeners, Kristen, she suggested uh, watch a porcupine eating corn, which is fun, too. And the sound is great. And... uh, uh, one of our old colleagues actually pointed out, replied to your tweet, Greg, that uh, this, the video of the beaver was the AS, is it ASMR, AMSR? I think it's ASMR. That's uh, when you watch something and listen to it and it makes your brain tingly and it helps you relax. She says, this is the ASMR I didn't know I needed. Well, it was definitely a day where we needed a little bit of a break from everything that was going on in the world. And I'm glad people enjoyed that video because there's something about watching cute animals eat stuff. I completely agree with you, Gabrielle. And uh, what I also watched, oh yeah, that Brett found the cartoon, the cartoon, the video of the raccoon that had discovered the cotton candy and then he dropped it in the puddle and it disappeared. No. And he was so sad. No. <laughs> it was yes. terrible. Yeah, the, the cotton candy just disintegrated. And he was, this poor little raccoon is flailing around in the water. Like, where did it go? Because it? it disappears it? instantly. It's like a magic trick. Just poof, it's gone. Little trash pandas. They're such a confusing <laughs> animal because they are so stinking cute with their little faces and their little creepy hands. They're adorable, but then you know they're kind of evil and really dirty. But then you watch them and you kind of can't help but get on board. Am I right, Loren? Are you with me on this? No, raccoons are the worst. They're like, (laughs) they serve no purpose. I did laugh at that video. I'm kidding. But raccoons and, you know, even like just because of the farm, so raccoons and beavers and all the rest, they always just, they're causing problems. So you just don't want them. Get out of of there. Get out of there. Yeah, well, the raccoons sort of warn you with their attire. They they wear the bandit mask. Like, <laughs> there's no there's no hiding their intention. Like, they're thieves. They're very open. They wear their hearts on their sleeves. They love garbage, and they're open about it. No, I'm get- laughing now because sorry, guys. Every time we bring up these animal videos, someone else on in our audience just another one. And there's Chunk the groundhog. And uh, sorry, I'm just going to recommend that to everybody. I'm going. Cute- Google Chunk the Groundhog. Okay, I'm pulling up Chunk the Groundhog right now just to see if there's any... Oh, i got to turn this off. That's an Expedia ad. I'm just going to wait for YouTube to let me skip that. And uh, come on, here we go. Two, one. Okay, oh, here we are. Just start eating. Backs his lips and just stares into the camera. <laughs> okay. Like, I'm eating your yeah. car. So there you go. You got to check that out. Can't do any play-by-play there, McGarry? Well, there's a guy doing the play-by-play in the video. So just look up Chunk the Groundhog, and Guy Catches Adorable Groundhog Eating His Veggie Garden. 
Uh, there you go. You'll find it. Or just text us and we can send you the link, and Gabby will make Perfect. sure you get that link as well. One of the things you were talking about this week on Global News Morning, I believe, had to do with driving habits. Yeah, there's this report that came out. They had all these people respond across the country. I think Manitoba, it was actually about dangerous driving, so a serious topic, and Manitoba ranked third worst. Alberta, I think, was top then Saskatchewan, we were the third worst drivers, admittedly. But then it looked at our dangerous driving habits, some of the weird things each province does. Saskatchewan, they like to drive with their knees, apparently. They also get this, ding cars without telling people, which to me is a hit and run, but whatever. Anyway, in Manitoba, apparently we like to take off our, like change our clothes while driving. Extremely distracting. Oh, wow. Yeah. And uh, we make sharp turns. We're very into sharp turns. Oh, okay. Yeah, so like the last second. Oh, I got to turn here. Bang. Yeah, well. No warning. We don't like merges, so I guess it would make sense that we like sharp turns. That would be the exact opposite of a merge would be a sharp turn. So that makes sense to me. I will Do you con- think anyone actually knows whether they're a good or bad driver? No, though. People often say, oh, I'm a good driver or that person's a bad driver. We like you can't really assess yourself. I know I'm a bad driver. I'm admittedly. I mean, I, I'm not saying I'm a distracted driver. I intentionally am a bad driver, but I think just by nature of my personality, <laughs> I'm a little bit. Oh man, I wish I hadn't gone into this now. Sorry, Loren. Let's. <laughs> maybe you're right. Oh no, no. Keep talking, <laughs> and I'll be following you home with uh, with the camera crew. Uh, continue. Gabrielle. I'm very careful. Like I, I signal, obviously. I always wear my seatbelt. I keep both hands on the wheel generally. And, oh, you're a ten and two driver. Yeah, it, it, generally I am. Um, but I would just say that because I'm distracted as a person, I have to focus more on what's happening around me because it's so easy for me to get lost in a song or the sunshine or just a Friday vibe in general okay uh, you know what when it comes to uh, driving i too will assess myself as i i know when i can be a bad driver i find when i have someone else in the car i'm a worse driver i'm more distracted when there's someone in the car or i have less confidence for some reason i like some to the decisions i make when i'm by myself i have no problem making but when there's someone else in the car uh, it's like i like I'm, I'm a chicken i don't know do you feel like they're second guessing you like i i <laughs> Every time I drive and my husband's in the passenger seat, I'll be like, what? You got something to say about that? You didn't like that? Does my signal not come soon enough? And he's not said a word, but I immediately feel like whatever I've done is not right. Are you like, amazing. Are you mad at him when this is happening? Oh, yeah. Like, he said nothing. This happened just the other day. And we were driving into the city, and I merged onto 75, and he doesn't say anything, but I could feel. And I was like, you didn't like that merge? He's like, what? I was like, I could tell you didn't like that merge. And then we keep driving, and I go to pass this truck, and he doesn't say anything. I was like, you didn't like that pass? Thought I moved back into that lane too quickly? Ah. He's like, I didn't do anything. So this but is- I can... I want to drive with you. That sounds fun. So this is either a a, a guilty conscience or that whole idea of tone. I think I've mentioned this in the past. Gabrielle, I used to work with my dad a couple different times uh, in uh, a couple different businesses, and he would leave these sticky notes. And regardless of what it said, it could be completely innocuous. It always (laughs) sounded like he was yelling at me. You just knew by reading it. Hey? Yes. The, just the mere presence of the sticky note was some form of I'm not happy with you. But sometimes it was just, you know, you need to know this and I'm writing it down so you don't forget it. Or even a look. Do any of you have a look like Loren? Is there a look you give your husband that, you you know, it doesn't have to be a glare or a lingering stare, but that he just knows, you know, I your questions. I do. I do talk. I don't have, it's, it's, I can't, I don't even have time for the look. I'm just, I want to get right to the point. Like, stop doing that. Okay. Forget the subtlety. It. Let's go right yeah. to the core no, I'm not, issue here. My merge it. was awesome. Stop it. <laughs> exactly. That's the problem. So yeah. I don't know. Before we let you go, Gabby, we just got to ask you, uh, is there any music that you like that surprises other people? Uh, recently I got into country. I wasn't for the longest time. And I think that was more surprising to people that I wasn't into it being from the Saskatchewan Craven land. Uh, but I, I've started to like country music, some old stuff, some new stuff, some hip stuff, some youthful stuff. Did you used to go to Craven? No, I've never been. I refuse, but oh, okay. yeah, I won't participate in that. What about you quickly before I go, I want to hear it. What do you guys like? Uh, mine was Linda Ronstadt, but uh, I also love the Bee Gees very much, mm. and I'm not shy to play the Bee Gees and Neil Diamond. Loren? 
I said classical that I weirdly every once in a while will crank an opera or like I really like the 1812 overture because it has cannons and like things that are angry. Maybe, you know what? I got a problem. Like no. anger she's, and, she's merging, listening in, to classical yeah. music. Dun, 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 go get him. This is my turn to keep driving on. Yeah, like that's, I don't know. Maybe it's fueling the, the inner rage. <laughs> I have a proposal here. Gabrielle, I think you should be invoicing McNabb for therapy during this segment weekly. And I think you could make yourself a nice little bit of side money here. And Loren, I think this segment could be very good for whatever <laughs> issues you're carrying around with yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah, there's just a lot of rage in... It's honest rage. Like, it just gets out. I think it's healthier. We turn up the classical music. We turn down the lights. We bring in the wine. We're all mm-hmm. better in two and a half hours, I'd say. As my sister once said, it's good for you, Loren, because you're getting it out. But think about who you're directing at that sometimes. <laughs> doesn't feel so good on the other end. I have one other quick proposal once this pandemic ends, that we get uh, four cameras, four of us together, classical music, wine, and we'll record this on a late Friday night. And then we'll decide whether or not we're going to release it to the public. But I'd like to give it a shot. Well, here's the caveat on that late on a Friday, the four of us who all wake up before 4 a.m., do you think? Late Saturday, f- Saturday. <laughs> and yeah. now a half an hour show. <laughs> Gabrielle Marchand, host of Global News Morning, 6 to 9, Monday through Friday. Thank you so much, Gabby. Happy Friday. During the hard times, Manitoba's communities band together like no other. Thanks for sharing your stories with us. It's Feel Good Friday on 680 CJOB. Backling, McGarry and McNabb, we got to give away that Santa Lucia pizza, large two-topping pizza, based on your text messages at 204-780-6868. On this Feel Good Friday, we're asking you, you know, have you discovered or rediscovered some games during the pandemic with your family or maybe your friends? Uh, and but before that, did we read Tyson's text message, Greg, about holding the door? I don't think we did. Uh, this, we did not. Okay, this had to do with uh, Greg <laughs> suggesting that holding the door uh, could be difficult during, you know, if you want to be kind to somebody or show a simple act of kindness, and holding the door can be difficult depending on the physical distancing issues. And Tyson says. Is GMAC one of those guys who holds the door open when I'm too far away and makes me do that slight awkward jog to get to the door quicker so his efforts aren't in vain? (laughs) Guilty as charged, Tyson. I apologize. Uh, Slash don't apologize. Uh, It's just one of the things I like to do and then share a chuckle. You know, Uh, my my wife, I, I always said that I wanted to move to Minnedosa and retire there. And Jackie said, you would never get anything done there. Because <laughs> I would walk from the Chipperfield Coffee Company down to the credit union, which is all of two blocks and back. It would take me an hour and a half. Well, yeah, it takes you like 30 minutes to leave the building. Because you bump into people and you get chatting and, you know, you get uh, distracted. So small town living in my head is an, is an ideal situation for me, McNabb. But I don't think I could pull it off. I'd never get anything done. It, it can be challenging, but that's what makes it so great, unless you're in a hurry. Like if I send, I live in a small town now, and if I send my husband to the store, it's easily 30 minutes. And it's like the list was milk. Like I don't really know why this is... <laughs> What? Well, I ran into so-and-so, and then he yes. stopped outside, and the neighbor's there, and it's actually yes. really, like, it's super friendly and kind. So it's really only, I mean, we actually, when I return to Minnedosa, and if I do have to go to the grocery store there, we will paper, rock, scissors for who has to go in. And it's not because you don't want to talk to people. It's just that you go in, and it can be, like, an hour later. Sure. And so you just pack a book <laughs> and sit in the car, like, who's going in? Because you know this isn't an in and out. It's no in and out here. So it's fun. (laughs) That is wonderful. Uh, Well done, guys. But, hey, we've pulled a selection of your text messages at 204-780-6868, a number of runners-up. But we can only have one winner. As Highlander would say, there can be only one. So, Greg, why don't you start us off with Jeanette? My daughter's boyfriend taught us the card game of golf. Yes. I don't know if I know this one. Exciting, fun, and be quite competitive, and so easy to learn. Okay, up my alley. We quickly taught it to my relatives, and now at the cottage, we play until way until the wee hours. Great game because kids as young as six or seven can play with equal intensity and skill as the adults, which is important for a cottage lake 
home game night is that the if you have younger kids, you don't want them to feel discounted or disqualified in yeah. their ability to play, right? But sometimes a good game, this is going oh, oh, to feed off my, my issues here. A good game, depending on who's in the group, can be a good way to assess a person sometimes. And I will admit we had this game in our family that uh, there have been a few times my husband's are, my sorry my brothers are now married to wonderful women but they might bring a girlfriend home and I'd be like she's out she can't handle this game at all like <laughs> sorry that was my that was my judging criteria you'd get to Christmas pull out a game of taboo and then be like nope hit the road sister hit the road <laughs> nice because she couldn't compete she didn't have a quick enough wit her temperament it, it wasn't, wasn't quite right. Okay, so this is where we get it's we used to call it I don't know if you played the game taboo. We actually never yes, had it. Great we never game. had the actual game, so we called it budget taboo where we just <laughs> did it on our own. And so you each put in like 10 pieces of paper and we'd say okay, it has to be like about people, like so famous people um it could be politicians, writers, authors, whatever. That would be the category we created for example. And then you reach in, you look at it, the name, right? You can't say the names. So you have to give clues to the name and the people on your team have to guess. And we would get, my sister and I would get as frustrated with the not knowing the answer as we would with the inability to just quickly pass the bowl. Pass the bowl! Pass the bowl! Why are you not passing the bowl? Get in! Get your hand in there! Get your hand out! That's, we got judgy on a lot of things, if I'm being honest. <laughs> Boy, that sounds like a pretty tough test to pass, McGarry. Tough crowd. Tough Holy crowd. smokes. When you, and just thinking about games that are good for the family, even for young kids, have either of you ever heard of Ludo? No. Mm-hmm. So apparently this is a game that goes back to 1896, and it's a really simple game. It's a strategy board game for two to four players in which the players race their four tokens from start to finish according to the rolls of a single die. Uh, and, but you can set up a blockade, and it's super easy. You just roll the dice, and you move your pieces around the board, and whoever gets to the end uh, first wins. And so like, I think we started playing that. I don't know, when I was six or seven or eight. And uh, hmm. my mom and I in particular loved it. Uh, so if you can get your hands on Ludo, that is, I suggest, a guaranteed good hmm. time. Doug says, my daughter is now into chess and she is getting good. Uh, and that's cool, Doug, that uh, you can play chess with your daughter. Because I remember when I first started playing chess, um, I didn't really have anybody in my house I could play with. So I'd play against the computer it's not quite the same, although I very much enjoyed playing battle chess. Uh, did you ever hear, ever heard of battle chess, Loren? No. Computer you know what's game? so funny that you said this is coming up and that he's playing with his daughter? My kids really love ch- chess, and a lot of their friends do too, and I just don't remember that being as popular growing up. I, I certainly never learned it. I honestly had no idea how to play until my kids brought it home from school, saying that they had learned it in school. And so I love hearing that there's so many people who really actually know how to play that game. Yeah. There's actually seems to be a resurgence of the popularity of chess. In fact, I I think it was my son and his uh, buddy, Nathan, they, uh, they started a chess club at their, at their school a couple of years ago because there was such a growing interest in the game. And so, yeah, I think it's a marvelous game for young people to play. Yeah. Well, it's because it it teaches you strategy. It teaches you how to think ahead. It teaches you to pay pay attention, uh, to look at the, it teaches you the consequences of your decisions, Mm. because if you make a bad decision, because you're not paying attention to what happens, uh, you can, the whole thing can fall apart. Well, the concept of sacrifice. Yeah. Right. And and seeing the, whole game for what it is as opposed to it's not about just one move it's not about what you did right now it's it's about an ultimate goal i think there are so many incredible lessons from chess so i wish that's something i really i need to figure out if i can master it but of course you know it's harder to as they say can't hard to teach an old dog new tricks right Uh, another listener saying we used to love playing crokinole at the cabin yes yes the crokinole the laker classic that i do every year the, the golf the annual golf tournament for several years, crokinole became a secondary part. So we had like the golf tournament during the day, and then we would have a crokinole tournament in the evening. And I loved that because we would it would go for a couple of days. And whereas I'm not great at golf, I was in the top tier of the dozen or so guys who go who play crokinole. Depending on how much rum I've consumed, uh, there, there was one. Yes, yes. <laughs> I, I was it. there. There were four guys who were like all uh, about equal on par and overall skill. Uh, and there was one year where I finally said, "Okay, this is the year where I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna let rum get in the way." So I switched to beer and just slowed down. And sure enough, my team went on 
to win that particular event. That was you were committed. Oh yeah, yeah. I practiced and everything. I got a board at home and I practiced beforehand. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not losing Crokinole this year. This is my board. Oh. I suck at the oh, golf, wow. but I'm gonna win at Crokinole. So thank you. You have to come play some board games in our house with your competitiveness. I'm digging it. I am, we will not be kicking you out of the group. Right on. Yeah. I some I used to when I was a kid. I was brutal. Just hated hated losing. Would throw temper tantrums. I was awful. Like a you are terror. right there right now. I can see you transporting in time before my very eyes, just the way you said that. I love that about you. You just, you are in the moment and boom, you're right back at 11, 12 years old, losing to your sister at Monopoly or something. Well, and Linda says Monopoly always makes me smile, brings back memories of people getting together. There were no cell phones or computers in the home. And that's also another great point about games, right? If you can put... If you can take that that time and just enjoy the game without mm-hmm. the distractions, mm-hmm. that's Tough to good. do if you have a competitive streak. Liz says croquet was always so much fun. Uh, shuffleboard, Ramoli. Uh, she says far too many to mention. I've never, I think I've only, I don't know that I've ever actually played croquet. I've played with the croquet mallet and the balls, but I would have no clue how to play croquet. I don't know if anybody really knows. <laughs> yeah, I think the rules. I agree. I think you make them up as you go, oh no, you can't do that. Uh, based on what? You just can't. You just can't do that. That's not how you do it. And uh, yeah, inevitably there ends up being a, an argument. But I think you just have to get them through those little hoops that okay. you set up. You set up, up the little course. I don't know. I think the one thing I remember about croquet is when I was quick. four or five years old, we were visiting my Auntie Joyce and Uncle Dan in Essex, Ontario, and I was just kind of swinging a croquet mallet around. I was just sort of doing a word, like just spinning around and around and around and then uh, one of the neighbor's kids walked. took it yeah he walked in got in the way and took it square on the forehead oh boy uh i don't really i think i kind of blacked out it's after that version I felt of it, bad. i think <laughs> no i seriously i was not trying to hit this kid oh, i'm sure you just weren't walked but... into my walked into the way and uh okay let's just skip to well i'll re- quickly read terry's because i mentioned we played Ramoli. so terry says uh, when i was a little kid i used to play Ramoli with my grandparents they always used to try teaching me how to play cribbage, but even to this day, I still can't play. <laughs> Board games and card games were something we did every family gathering or just spent time spent with them. When I had kids, they carried on the tradition. Both grandparents have since passed on. So that's cool that that family, the game is now a family tradition. But Loren, sure. why don't you read the winning text? Well, I'm just going to put this out there first. So the game of spoons, and this has come up a few times by our listeners, it's played with spoons. So say you have five people, you'll put four spoons in the middle of the table. You've got five cards and you're going for, I think it's a four of a kind. And so you just keep passing the card to the left. The card that's not working for you, you just keep passing it around. And then when you get four of a kind, you grab for the spoon. So you'll get the spoon, but as soon as you go for the spoon, everybody else has to go. And the person left not holding the spoon loses, Okay. Well, our winner today writes, we played spoons one time at a friend's cottage when I was about 14. It got pretty heated and physical to the point where two of us jumped across the table and the spoon went flying in the air and straight through a window. We hightailed it out of there and none of us ever admitted what happened. To this day, I don't think his parents ever found out. And that text... From listener Jackie. Is it essentially like musical chairs then? To kind that? of. The, yeah, the, with the, your cards. Yeah, okay. All and right. then if you get really rowdy, people will just start banging the table to make the spoons rattle. And you think someone's going for the spoon. And then you're yelling at each other, stop doing that. Hey, thanks for listening to the Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.